What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm one of two new hosts. My name is Matt Giannessis, Jets Opinion on Twitter, shameless plug. Here with our other new co-host and newest Turn on the Jets member, Will Parkinson. You can follow Will at WillPA11 on Twitter. Uh, the show is going to keep the same vibe moving forward. Your old host, Joe Caparoso, will still be on the show frequently, as well as other repeat guests, um, Connor Rogers, and, and so on. We'll keep a consistent schedule, having the Turn on the Jets podcast up every Friday. Make sure to tune into some of our other Turn on the Jets affiliated shows, starting with draft season, which will be released every Wednesday leading up to the draft. And of course, Joe and Connor's Badlands. You can subscribe to Badlands on Patreon. Uh, so we have plenty of fun interviews lined up for you. Uh, one next week specifically with Charles McDonald, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So season's over, Will. We're 2-14. and 14. Adam Gase is fired. How are you feeling? Um, very happy to have the season over, obviously not the, uh, the season we were all looking for. Um, and just very happy to have no more Adam Gase in my life. Um, I think, uh, I think we can all agree it was, it was two years. We all wish we kind of had back as, as a fan for our own mental health, but, um, how you feeling? Uh, I mean, you said it well, I, I'm pretty happy. It'd be weird to see anybody not too ecstatic over this. Um, we've been waiting for this since day one, really since he'd been hired. Uh, not too often do you see a head coach hired, by the way, uh, in the same day on social media, people just already calling it over. Like for him, it, it was done once it started. Uh, social media already hated him. So it was funny to see. It, it's just not surprising how it went. It's not surprising how it ended. But I'm happy we're here. We made it here. Um, it took a long, much longer than we wanted to. But very yeah, happy it's, yeah, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been one of those things that we – we kind of all were hoping it was going to happen at the end of last year. And when we started, you know, started off one and seven and then the team got hot a little bit against some bad opponents. And I think we all got a little nervous that, uh, that, that Christopher Johnson was going to have it happen again after beating two playoff teams at the end of the year, but thankfully made the right decision. And, uh, you know, now we're on to, on to greener pastures. Yeah. It, it's funny you say that. It's, it's really a shame that the Jets finished the season six and two last year. Like, if that didn't happen, there's a good chance Gase would be gone last year, get this whole process started a year earlier. <laughs> really yeah, we, we could have had a great head We could have had a great head coach in here and only two years in a Sam and him coming off a, a much more improved year than his rookie year. And we all of a sudden were thinking probably a lot differently as a fan base about Sam, about where the team's going forward. And, you know, who knows what could have happened <laughs> going, uh, you know, during this year. Now the whole trajectory of the team would have been different at that point. Um, and then, like you said earlier, then we win these two games against playoff teams towards the end of this year, and people are starting to hold their breath a little bit. About <laughs> like, is is Chris Johnson going to think the same thing again this year? Is he going to bring? I got I got nervous. You never know, man. I, he could have gone up in the you know big Christopher's office and you know talked his way out of it, and you know used the varying you know amount of excuses. And but yeah. you know, thankfully, thankfully it happened, and um, you know I'm I'm very happy to say the least. I think we all are. Yeah, I, I was trying to act confident that there's no way he's coming back, but part of me was, part of me was a little scared. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> me as well. <laughs> all right, so as we're on the Gase topic, Will, let me ask you: What is your favorite Adam Gase moment as a Jet? Um, there's a there's not many, but from a more comic relief perspective, I would say top moment was definitely the smelling salts preseason game one oh, amazing. opens yeah. up I was kind of anti the Gase hire I think we all were but we kind of were just hoping that you know maybe we were wrong maybe he'd have that first year in Miami factor and that Peyton wasn't screwing us for the third or fourth time and 
comes out, opens up a preseason game, smelling salts, looks intense. I'm like, all right, maybe maybe I was wrong on this guy. I'm going to give him a shot here. This is this guy's a this guy's a football guy. And then, yeah, it kind of all went downhill from there. So I, I would say that's probably my favorite case moment because it was it was pretty shocking to watch that in a preseason game. And then you know that intensity was clearly not you know <laughs> basically carried through with the rest of the roster. So what about you? Yeah, I'm with you on that. That was uh, when that moment happened. It was kind of electric. I'm not going to lie, as a fan, because I, I always, as, as just a diehard Jets fan, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. But I could sell myself so easily on something. Like I was so anti-Gase when they first hired him, and I just talked myself into it so quick. I knew, like my heart knew, like it, it was my head knew. I should say it was. It was just an awful hire, but my heart like led me to believe like maybe there's a chance he was good, like you said. So that moment kind of had me hyped up. Uh, my favorite case moment though, there's, like you said, there's so little I'm trying to think. I took joy in um, the Jets Monday night football game against New England last year. Um, yeah, it was last season where Belichick kind of toyed with Gase with the timeouts and he ended up just making complete fool out of Adam Gase. And you see Belichick laughing on the sidelines and the announcers are cracking up as the camera pans on him. So in the moment, <laughs> it was not a good look for the Jets. I think it was following the <laughs> no, Dallas. No, it was win. not. I, th- I think it was right after the Dallas win. We're yeah, it was right after the Dallas win. Yeah. Sam came back from Mono, lit it up, had one of his better games, and comes back in. I remember being at that game. They're one and four, but you kind of feel this momentum. The Patriots are struggling a little bit. And then, obviously, we don't have to get into the, the ghost thing and Sam's performance, but that last, <laughs> like, two or three minutes from taking the penalties – you know, after Gase takes a timeout, then Belichick takes a delay game just to be able to do so. And if you see him snickering over on the sidelines, I, I took – I, like you, took a little joy just knowing our coach was so foolish that he thought he could, you know, kind of right. show Belichick up, losing 30, 30 nothing. It was, it was bad. Right. When you already dislike the guy and then, and then you see him just get made a complete fool of on, on TV, it was nice. To, as, as much as it hurt at the same time, it, it was funny to see. It was nice to see. And you, you actually kind of lucked out by being there at the game because the secondhand embarrassment of watching it on TV with the announcers just cracking up, it's, it's real rough. Um, yeah, it, it was not a good night. <laughs> not pretty. The ghost night. All right. So well, let's see. What was something that – what was, what was I guess, this maybe goes hand-in-hand with your favorite moment of Gase. What was your – what was probably the lowest moment of the last two years of the Gase tenure? Not to – we don't have to, you know, harp on it too much, but what was probably the worst moment of the Gase tenure for you? I would say the worst moment of the Gase tenure was probably – this might sound a little weird. It was probably after week one this season um, because I went going into this year thinking – I think the Jets could finish around 6-10 and 10 or 7-9, and nine, but, you know, there was the off chance that they could be a playoff team with the extra year. And right after week one, when they just got absolutely obliterated by a, a fourth string 49ers team, the realization hit, like, this is completely over. This needs to be blown up now. Uh, I already, I mean, we, we kind of knew it the season before, but like I said, I could talk myself into things. So going back into this year, I'm like, well, maybe we could be good again this year. And then it, we just got absolutely blown out of the water against the Niners. So it's got to be my least favorite case moment. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing I would say that, it was kind of a weird moment for me, but they start off one and seven, and then they have this stretch of eight games, which other than, you know, um, on paper, the Steelers looked hard at the time or, um, you know, they, you got to finish up one more at the Pats, but they had that 
stretch where they started to get hot a little bit, and all of a sudden they play the Owen. I think Bengals were Owen nine at the time. Jets had oh, won, yeah. I believe, two in a row, and they go in there, and it was like, all right, I feel good. I'm not sure really what happened with Jamal. He had an injury. We're not really sure, obviously. Looking at it now, he might have been a little too depressed, but he, you know, <laughs> they go in there, and the Bengals look hapless. Dalton comes back in after just being benched. It was like, this is great. If we win this, like, I don't know, maybe crazier things have happened. Teams have gone on crazier runs. Like, I got my hope back. And then just the most lifeless, boring offensive game I've ever watched. They look – I mean, I've never seen a team less prepared to play. And I was like – I mean, I knew it was over. Obviously, we all knew, like, at the end of last year. But that was the one moment that, like, during the year last year, I was like, they can't even muster a win against this team. They've lost to two defeated teams. They lost to the Dolphins just, like – Couple weeks before that, so that was that was a that that sucked. I was going to say too. They lost the Dolphins right before that, and I think it made them the first team to lose to two zero and seven or worse teams in the same season. It was just bad. But you're right. We got hope back a little bit with some performances after the Miami game, and we're starting to get some momentum. You think you never know what's going to happen, and then just throw an absolute egg at the at the Bengals game, and it was that was terrible. Not not pretty, but not pretty. we're we're moving past it, thank God. And you know, as as yeah, everyone can agree, talking about this, this is supposed to be a happy. I know, green. Basically. I know, greener pastures, greener pastures. All right, so thank you. Talking about greener pastures, uh, Will, who are you most excited for on this Jets roster right now, moving forward? Right now, um, I'm not going to go with the easy back dinner Mims answer. Um, I'm really excited about Bryce Hall. Um, for me, I feel like he performed – he got better every week. He's somebody that was a borderline first-round, second-round talent. Um, junior college comes back at the dislocated ankle, um, you know, ligament damage the whole nine yards, misses the whole season, misses OTAs, misses training camp, everything. Obviously drops to the fifth round kind of with the uncertainty between COVID and, and you know, not being able to work out and all these different things. And he falls to the Jets. And I just remember every single person I trust from a draft expert perspective – some of the film I watched on him, I was like, there's no way they got this guy in the fifth round. Like he probably, even with the injury, still could have been a second, third round pick and they get him. He looks decent, a little shaky. He was a good tackler against, um, you know, the chargers and the Miami game. You know, he struggled a little bit, but you could see flashes of like a legit guy that could be on this roster. Um, and, you know, cornerback when the jets have been really good. Um, you know, the years that has happened, they've always had, you know, the Revis, Kermari guy, out there at least in you know the last decade um decade plus so um i felt really good about watching bryce hall all year just knowing each week he got better got more confident you could see it each week and just the fact that he's willing to tackle he's one he wants to hit people and then in coverage every time he gets thrown at it's not a penalty i feel like that's probably i like bless austin but every time there's a like the ball's thrown you're like holding your breath oh, there's yeah. not a pass interference illegal contact and yeah. bryce hall i don't feel that way I feel confident. He got to go up against some great matchups. He got to go against Keenan Allen. He got to go against Devontae Parker. He gets to go against these guys that are going to make him better in the long run. So I'm really excited about him. How about you? Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you big time on Bryce Hall. I, uh, I remember around draft time seeing so many mock drafts, this guy from Virginia going the third round uh, or fourth round, you know, because he had that, that serious injury. But for the Jets to get him in the fifth was just so awesome. And he's really lived up to expectations. I, uh, I've noticed that when the ball's thrown to him, whether he gives up a catch or not, like he's with his guy on his guy's hip, like he's there. So as a rookie, just to see him on the field, like I'm okay with him giving up catches. Like these are good reps for him and they're not 
He like he he looks very good for a, you know a fifth round rookie. Like let's be realistic, but he looks good and he looks like he could be a capable player. So super- yeah, no, I'm 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 good with the way he performed. You know, PFF grade is sixty. Not going to blow you out of the water, but for a guy who hadn't played football in eighteen right. months and you get him in the fifth round, he's somebody that I'm just excited knowing. You know, the play against the Rams, obviously. You know, just the confidence of he baited him the entire time you watch on film. He knows what Goff's doing. You know, he's a guy that is watching film all week, knows Goff's going to come back to that read, baits him into it, then makes a one-hand interception. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm confident going forward that he's a guy that, you know, can be on this roster and contribute on a winning team, not just, a, you know, a 2-14, you know, 2-14 roster. Yeah, you, you can see he's got some confidence now, too. Towards the end, he's getting a little swagger to him. He's getting cocky after some plays. I like to see it, though. I'm happy to see that from a rookie. Um, so for me, I would say this was a tough one for me when I was thinking about this. So who am I looking most forward to for the season next year? And uh, of course, you know, you have your obvious Mims and Beckton's, like you said. So I'm going to think outside the box and I'm going to say, honestly, I think either Braxton Berrios or Connor McGovern. So sounds strange. These aren't guys that I think like, you know, makes the Jets a playoff team by any means, but uh, for the slot position, I think like we saw that we can have a player that is more than capable or of putting up league average numbers at um, a wide receiver. I, I was very happy. I, I saw him when he catches the ball, he cuts and turns so quickly. It gives me so such Cole Beasley. He's vibe. quick. The Patriots did not want to lose him, man. Belichick's talked right. about that a lot. So you never see a Jets GM go out there and just pull somebody off the Patriots practice squad like that. So Douglas has, has messed around with the Patriots a couple of times by now, but um, just really happy to see that. And I, I definitely think the Jets should explore the, the option of, you know, maybe not giving Crowder 11 million a year and sticking with Braxton because Braxton does look more than capable right now. I think I'm on the side of bringing them both back. Um, but, you know, I, I'm very happy about what I saw from him just because we, you know, we didn't know going into this year if we'd get anything out of him. So I think you have a more than capable uh, number two or number one slot guy in the future moving forward. I also was going to say Connor McGovern too, just because very shaky start, but towards the end of the year, he started to come together. Um, I think that's definitely a piece you want to keep there uh, with Becton moving forward. So I was happy to see him kind of come along towards the end of the, uh, the, end of the season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, honorable mention, I feel like I know, you know, a lot of people love Fatu Kasi, Franklin Myers, and Bryce Huff. Um, I, I thought those are, I think we both kind of assumed those are, you know, those are guys that I was really excited about the way they performed all year. And then going forward, um, you know, obviously John Franklin Myers and, Fatu Kasi have been, you know, made our defensive line along with Quinn and Williams something that we can obviously build around. Um, I think we both kind of just like kind of the outside the box guy, like, you know, Barrios or Bryce Hall, people, even McGovern, who, like you said, you know, going in next year, hopefully, another, you know, a full year under his belt, um, you know, coming out, going off season healthy, OTAs, you know, working with Sam or whoever the next quarterback's going to be, they're going to be able to you know, kind of gel and mesh at the, you know, center position. Yeah, the reason I, I would be so excited for McGovern, just because it was such a shaky, uh, shaky start, so to see it kind of come together towards the end was uh, pretty exciting to me. And I, I'm kind of mad I just heard you say uh, JFM, John Franklin Myers, because if I could go back, I would completely change it to that. That would be my answer. But uh, it's too late. I already gave my answer. So There you go. Was, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> that's who we are looking forward to most for next season. Who was the biggest disappointment to you this season? Um, where do I start? No, um, <laughs> you know, the the easy answer is Sam, just from the fact that yeah. we had bigger expectations of the year. But um, for me, 
I don't even know if I should count it as a, as much of a disappointment as I should, but Rashad Perryman was just really, really, really disappointing. And then you, you know, obviously everyone's been over it a million times. You watch Robbie, you know, falling out of Carolina and we all, everyone has a soft spot for the sun God and, you know, and all that type of stuff. But it was just the, it was the effort. It was the contested catches. It was the drops. It was the uneasiness every time he was getting the ball thrown to him. Um, you know, we've all seen, multiple clips where it's the deep ball against Cleveland. You know, I played receiver for 18 years, uh, Pop Warner, high school, college. You got to get a hand on that, let alone – I mean, that's a – we can, you know, talk through the accurate – like, you know, that ball being a half a yard deep. But, you know, for a guy who's open all the time, the production is just not there. Um, it's pretty consistent with what he's done the last three years of his career. But for a guy who reportedly ran a 419 at UCF and – um, you know, to lose Robbie and then Robbie have 95, 1,103 touchdowns with a noodle arm quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. And then we, you know, have a guy with a really strong arm and an offense that runs a lot of – had to run a lot of man beaters and Perryman was open all the time. Obviously, it's not always on him, but I just was – I was not happy with the effort. I was not happy with the way he was able to catch balls in traffic. And then, quite frankly, you know, you just you see the two halves against the Patriots, the first half and you know, both games, and it's like, oh, he looks good and then and that's it. You know? Yeah, then thirty something catches, four hundred something yards, a couple touchdowns, and it's just not good enough for a guy that was you know, he's not a number one and I I know we're not we weren't expecting to get one, but going into the season, obviously the Mims thing is unfortunate that he was hurt, you know, in the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year, but it was him and Crowder and you know, I don't care who you have playing quarterback. I, that was disappointing. How uh, how is who's your most disappointing? So I went on a tangent. Perryman really gets no, fired up. You know what? On the Perryman, that that specific play against Cleveland you brought up was just so infuriating. I mean, you could you could like you said, you could argue that the ball was you know a few inches overthrown, but the effort. Both that, both Perryman plays that game. The both deep shots yeah, they took both right. of that game. Yeah, yeah. So that that was rough. That grinded my gears. I don't know what that was. Another thing is with him. I feel like he beats his man a lot, but when he catches the ball, it's just so ugly. Like, it looks so difficult. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It looks like it's uncomfortable. It looks yeah. like the ball's catching him, not him catching the ball. Exactly. It definitely looks uncomfortable. Um, for me, biggest disappointment so far. So, the jury's not out on this one. I don't want to sit here and act like it is. I mean, he was a rookie. Uh, I'd probably say LeMichael Piron. Um, the reason I would say Piron is – he averaged, what was it, 3.6 yards a carry with a line who actually was relatively okay in run blocking. So he got outrushed by Frank Gore in terms of rushes, in terms of yards for carry, in terms of yard. Um, and the, the biggest thing with him that, that kind of irked me was in, in, in the open field, I did not see him make one man miss all year. I mean, he got the yards that the defense gave him, but he didn't have anything special or that extra juice to me that I wanted to see from a, a fourth round rookie. And, I, you know, on my mind, I'm thinking about how Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara are taken in, you know, like the third rounds. And so obviously you can't expect that out of somebody like him. But just uh, I, I wanted to see more. I wanted the Jets to, like, hit the jackpot with him, maybe find a diamond in the rough. And the jury's definitely not out on him, like I said. But Yeah, no, not- I, I, don't, I don't blame me. I don't blame me on Piran, to be honest, because I felt like going into the season, it was going to be Bell – P. Ryan, then Gore. I mean, that was probably naive on everyone's right, part, right. knowing, you know, Gase is bringing Gore in. You know, I don't know what the obsession is, but whatever, Gore is, you know, a great teammate and uh, he'll be a Hall of Famer for, you know, his longevity. But I thought P. Ryan was going to improve as the season went on. I felt like once Bell was gone, it was really going to open up the offense. And then it was, 
you know, every other running back felt like they kept moving above him in the depth chart. And I don't know if that's a Gase thing. I don't know, you know, what the, you know, kind of hesitation was letting him get more carries. But other than the one Buffalo touchdown and then the one against the Chargers where he makes a nice cut, but that's the cut that as a zone running back you should be making. Right. You know, that's like, you know, it's a, it's, there's a gaping hole between guard and center. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to not give the guy credit, but for somebody that was drafted in the fourth round, expected to produce right away, I would agree with you. He's definitely disappointing. I'm not, I haven't given up hope on him, but I was I thought I was going to see more, um, just kind of like you said. Yeah, the, the game against, um, what was it, Las Vegas, where we have no Piran or Gore, and we get Josh Adams and Ty Montgomery just going off, like best rushing game of the year. It's kind of eye-opening. Like, could it have been this all year if we had some guys with a little bit more juice playing in there? But yeah, I'd like to see Ty Johnson come back personally. Yeah. I know we'll have more podcasts, you know, as free agency kind of comes about. But I think he should be on the roster. He's a guy who ran a 4-4. He's a six-rounder out of Maryland. Yeah. yeah he, I, I'm, he, I'm in. I was most confident in him this season with the ball, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah, he had 22 carries for 104 that game. And I think um, Josh Adams actually had 79 or 80, something like that. that yeah, game. he was he was, a, he was close to 100. I mean, they rushed over 200 yards. Sam had 20, 30 yards, too. It was like – Yeah. You watch that Raiders team – I don't know. They got to they gotta do something about their run defense. It's ugly. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Right now, while we're recording this, it's January 7th. Um, The coaching search has been going on for a couple days now. And the Jets have invited a certain list of coaches to come in. So I'm going to pull up the list right now of who these coaches are. So they have either interviewed or requested an interview for Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, Rams DC Brandon Staley, Bills OC Brian DeBall, ex-Jet quarterbacks coach, uh, 49ers DC Robert Sala, and Saints DB's coach Aaron Glenn, who was a former first-round draft pick by the New York Jets. So anybody in there excite you? Um, yeah, for me, I would say two names kind of excite me. I think, um, you know, Eberfluss, I don't know if we're not, I might be botching the name as well, but for me, I really, um, I'm really excited by his background. Um, the culture he kind of provides. Um, I think he's, you know, he basically, he's taken the Colts from, they spent the 20, uh, the last amount of mo- least amount of money in free agency over the last three years since he got there, 18, 19, 20. And he's moved them from the fourth, I mean, the 28th best defense in DVOA to the fourth best defense. Well, basically made Darius Leonard, who's a great player, second round pick that the Colts drafted with one of the picks we traded for Sam. And he's turned them into an elite defense. He's turned Darius Leonard into a superstar middle linebacker. Um, DeForest Buckner's obviously helped their defense as well. But, you know, that excites me from somebody that, what can he get out of Quinn and Marcus May? What can he get out of C.J. Mosley? And then if he's going to come in with somebody, you know, potential offensive, young offensive coordinator, you know, his, his whole thing's about culture. It's about playing. It's about toughness. It's about playing hard, but he's all about communication as well. Not just somebody who's going to yell in your face from everything I've heard. So um, I'm really excited about him. Um, you know, I, I don't get as excited for um, some of the other defensive guys just because, 
you know, kind of coming from, you know, a, you know, an offense that was 31st in the league. You obviously want to hear about offensive names, but I really, I've really enjoyed everything I've heard about him, everything I've read, everything I've listened to him talk about. So, um, you know, he'd be the name I'd, I don't think everyone's talking about him enough. Um, you know, so that's a guy I'd watch out for. How about yourself? Well, I was going to say that kind of, that name kind of came out of nowhere because when we were talking about, as Jets fans, the head coaching name started coming up in the beginning of the season, knowing that Gase would be gone. And uh, Iberfuss's name really kind of came up in the recent weeks, at least as far as I'm aware. I, I wasn't hearing about him earlier in the year. Part of that might be just to the success that the Colts D had this year. They were a very stout group, uh, which was surprising. And I haven't listened to uh, Scott Mason's podcast yet, but he had on uh, this guy, George Bremer, uh, from Indianapolis. And um, apparently it was just very convincing case for Iberfuss. So I kind of want to listen to that. But um, Yeah, I mean, he's only interviewed once. He interviewed for Cleveland in 2019. Um, he was third, he rose third, he finished third in, um, the AP, like assistant coach of the year. And that was the year Fangio won. Um, obviously Fangio got the Broncos job. So, um, you know, he's somebody that probably, he kind of was a really hot name 2018, 2019, and then kind of came out of nowhere, like you said, this year, but the Colts defense has been awesome. You know, they literally all talk about, you know, his ability to be very persuasive. He's strong as conviction. You know, he's ultra demanding, hustle, discipline, teamwork, you know, communicator, like that couldn't be more of what the Jets need just as a culture. You know, everyone talks about it. You know, you mentioned McGovern before McGovern and all these guys are, we need a culture changer. We need a culture changer. Yes. Wins will change it. But man, if I'm going to watch a team that's going to be disciplined, all about teamwork, hustle, the ultra demanding of themselves communicate like that to me means if you put the right guys in there, you'll win. Um, so you know, obviously, I'm sure you have a couple other names you're thinking about as well. Yeah, um, so obviously the, the big name all year was uh, Biennemi. Everybody was talking about him. I think when we did, Joe did a poll on Twitter about who Jets fans wanted months and months back. And it was almost like 60% out of, out of the four or five options, 60% everybody just wanted Biennemi. Um, so I, I get it. And I was up on him and I was down on him, convinced myself he's the guy, convinced myself he wasn't. Um, but I have some, read some really encouraging things recently, so I would not be upset with the enemy by any means. But right now, I'm kind of really excited about Brian DeBall. And the reason being is just the success that Josh Allen has had with him. So I think uh, depending on what came up, kind of direction that the Jets take with quarterback, it's going to depend on whether DeBall is the best fit or not. But um, I think with the right guy, that could be super, super exciting. You know, maybe a Justin Fields uh, prototype or something along those lines because – Josh Allen went from, I mean, everybody could tell you from somebody that we thought was going to be out of the league in two years to he's a legitimate superstar right now. And a lot of he's, he's been awesome. I I mean, like I obviously, you know, we'll get into this and you guys will kind of find out as, you know, I'm a huge Sam guy. And, um, you know, I watch all their stuff during the summer. They all work out with Jordan Palmer and Jordan Palmer's like they're, they're developmental wise should be at the same level. Um, You know, he's like, I work out them every single summer. Josh and Sam are, you know, best friends. It's like, and then you watch the development that Josh Allen's had, like you said, like, you know, he's probably going to finish second or third in the MVP. I think you can make a strong case that he should finish ahead of Mahomes. And I don't think anybody in their right mind was, maybe they were thinking Josh Allen could take a step from a 20 to 10 this year with the talent around him, but to take a step from 20 to two or three in the MVP race is pretty wild, pretty eye-opening. That's crazy. And like you said, him and Sam work with Jordan Palmer. Uh, over the summer so then to see Sam finish you know kind of bottom five in, in a lot of majority of statistics and then Allen finish top two 
I mean, the offense coordinator, the guy developing has to be credited a lot of that. So uh, the ball's definitely an interesting guy that I'm, I'm very interested in. He's ex, uh, he's ex, he's ex quarterback coach of uh, yes. jet legend, Brett Favre. Yes, so he is. yes, he is. Recreate uh, the uh, glory years. My, uh, my years. first, my first jets game as a fan, I went to the jets, Arizona game that year where jets dropped 56 Favre had six touchdowns. I'm going to convince myself that was all Brian DeBall and the Jets need to hire him. Now that we're talking. When the day Anquan Bolden, I thought Anquan yes. Bolden died. Yes. They, Eric One of the craziest hits I've ever seen. Yeah, that was brutal. The whole crowd was quiet for so long. Revis had two picks. Hell of a game. Hell of a game. Um, any potential head coaching options that the Jets haven't reached out to yet? Do you hope that they do reach out to? Um, for me, I think these are kind of – I think I've talked about this before, but – I'd love to see Fitzgerald and Campbell get interviews. Um, I know it's going to be something where they're going to kind of uh, come out and um, just to deal with recruiting and, and things like that. It's not going to be made as big of a deal of, but I think those are two guys that I'd open up the checkbook for obviously not my money, uh, the Johnson's money, but I, I'd open up the checkbook there because they've built great cultures. They've built teams with inferior recruiting classes. They've made Iowa state plan a near six bowl, you know, near six bowl game. I don't know that, Anybody at Iowa State's program thought that was the ceiling they were going to get to. Um, you know, Northwestern, same thing. You know, Fitzgerald played in the league. He's been around Northwestern. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's a guy that when you listen to talk, I think he would do well in New York. I think Campbell, maybe not as much, but I think, like, they both are guys that I would really – I'd really love to see interviewed from the college perspective. Coordinator-wise, um, you know, there's a lot of different coordinators, and I, you know, I'll let you get, get into that. But, yeah, I'd love to see those two college guys get interviews. I'd at least like to see what they – you know, got them in the building, let Douglas and them kind of hash out, you know, some of their ideas. And I feel like they're both football guys at heart. Um, it's not just about scheme and not just about, um, you, know, what, you know, what defense can I run? Can I run a Tampa 2? Can I run a 4-3 stack? Like, it's all – I want to win, build a winning program. And the Jets haven't had a, a program builder since – quite frankly, probably Parcells. I mean, the other guys were all coordinators that since 98. Um, yeah. Since 98 and everyone other than, you know, Oh nine, Oh 10, I would assume that's pretty much every Jets fan's best memory since yes, sir. the sack exchange. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, so yeah, those were the two of the three guys that I was going to talk about. Um, so yeah, with college coaches, you know, the news might not come out for recruitment and privacy reasons. So who knows if or when that's going to happen with them, but certainly hope, that those two are in the building at some point. Um, the third guy I was going to talk about is Joe Brady. Um, just did a tremendous job with Carolina's offense this year, considering um, they didn't have Christian, Christian McCaffrey for most of the year. And they, they utilized Mike Davis to the point that he looked like a borderline elite running back. Um, so schematically speaking, the offense was fun to watch. It really was. Um, he did an excellent job at LSU with Burrow the year. I think Woody Burrow had 50 or 60 touchdowns in college. That year. Dude, like 60, I think 6,100 yards, 65 total touchdowns. It's probably, so I don't want to tell any Cam Newton stands, but that's probably the greatest college season I've ever seen. I think it's widely accepted at this point, and I think Cam Newton stands need to accept it as well. But uh, just an absurd job at LSU he did with that offense. And um, I know he was loved in New Orleans in his, in his short tenure there before he went back to LSU, so. Uh, I don't have his age, but I think, what is he, in his 30s? He's just a young guy. 30, 31, I believe. Yeah, he's going to be compared yeah. to McVay for that reason alone. Um, but that would just be an exciting hire for me. I think the biggest question mark with him would just come He's down. 31. Yeah. 31, all right, there you go. 
Um, it's just going to come down to staff with him because it, we don't know who, who would he hire, you know? Uh, so that's definitely the biggest question mark with him and probably the only red flag as of right now. Um, but we'll see. The Jets have not requested an interview with him yet. I don't know if I've heard any teams have. They may have. I might have just been late on Twitter. Yeah, he interviewed Atlanta and Houston, I believe. But, okay. um, you know, a guy that, you know, you mentioned there, Aaron Glenn, you know, former eight years with the Jets, part of that 98 team we talked about, first-round pick. He's someone that's been kind of widely considered that he's going to follow Brady. So a name that I'll kind of watch out for, like you mentioned, is Joe Brady, because if they're interviewing Glenn, it might be from a perspective, get him in the room, to see you know, see what he's all about from a coaching perspective. Right. But also, he could be a guy that could be, you know, Brady's DC, and then we'll probably you would have one of the youngest staffs in football. Uh, very yeah. exciting, very very exciting. Yeah, and then as course as Jets fans, uh, we care about the offense coordinator about which what we've been going on recently. But I think Brady would take a lot of that uh, duty. So, um, definitely excited about that. And Aaron Glenn, I mean, I would if you end up getting two head coach candidates on the same, you know, the same uh, coaching staff in one year would be uh, just awesome. Yeah. So, you know, lastly, before we kind of close here, after finishing talking about some of these coaching candidates, um, you know, obviously the, you know, topic that's going to be, you know, come about is, you know, that number two pick, what we do with it, whether we take a quarterback like Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, um, even a Trey Lance, you know, a raw talented player in North Dakota state, or you, you know, stick with Sam another year, let him kind of play out that fourth year on the, on the rookie deal and either trade back, um, potentially, you know, accumulating more spot, you know, picks for that roster, maybe a team building type of uh, scenario there, or, um, you know, you stay at two and look at guys like Penny Sewell, um, who may not be popular from taking another tackle, but obviously, you know, is an elite talent there um, as well as guys like, you know, Jamar Chase, who um, had probably the best college receiver season ever until this year, Devontae Smith had probably broke his best college season ever. And obviously first receiver to win the Heisman. So, um, you know, those are some options there. Um, you know, as of January 7th, um, I'm a, I'm a trade back guy as of now, but, you know, thoughts could change based on, you know, some, you know, who we hire and, you know, how about yourself? Yeah. I mean, we, we know so little realistically on, on what's going to happen because there's so many directions the team could take, but as of now, I'm definitely pretty confident that Douglas is going to take a quarterback. Um, I'm definitely in the quarterback camp as much as I love Sam Darnold. He's uh he's the Jets baby. I, I definitely am in uh, the quarterback camp at two. But like you, we were talking about earlier before we started um before we started recording, we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, we're hearing different things. I just saw Todd McShay's mock today had um the Jets going. Who do they have? The Jets going at two. Jamar Chase or no? He hasn't he hasn't, he hasn't taken Sewell, but yeah, he, yeah. in his podcast, him and Kuiper both said they want them to trade back and right. take a receiver. So I mean. Like you're gonna say, I mean, McShay was a roommate of uh, Douglas. Jeremiah was his, you know, his buddy. They were both gonna get hired with him when he was, um, you know, taking the job. And Jeremiah has them moving on. So, you know, I guess the moral of the story is, is any quote you get from Douglas or any of his buddies, take it with a grain of salt because yep. he's not gonna lose value. And that's why, you know, he's not Mike McAgman, thankfully, or a Dave Gettleman type that's gonna give up their, you know, give up their hands. So. There's a lot of exciting stuff to, you know, look out for. Um, let's just be happy the ace is gone. And, uh, you know, that 2-14 and 14 disaster of a season is, you know, kind of in the rearview mirror. Very well said, Will. Um, with that, we're going to end today's show. Next week, we have Charles McDonald, formerly of the New York Daily News, uh, now with For the Win with USA Today uh, on the show. We have a fun interview in store for that. Um, but we will see you next week on Friday.